Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's... Um, it can be a bit weird, eh? A bit funny sometimes around church life when we start talking about um, start talking about money and finances and that sort of things. Everyone sort of gets a little bit uncomfortable, shuffles awkwardly within their seats, especially if you've got a microphone and you need to try and talk to people about it. But the reality is that money guides so much of our lives, doesn't it? You know, earning it, spending it, investing it, losing it, saving it, giving it. <laughs> you know, there is. Um, so much of our life is guided by or influenced in some way by finances. And so it just makes sense that as a church community, we should be able to talk freely about this area within every one of our lives. And, and I know that Matt referred to it uh, last, last week, but within Scripture, man, there is so much... That's, uh, there's over 2,000 verses within the Bible that uh, relate in some way to money or finances or handling possessions. Half, uh, you know, of of what? Uh, uh, let me get this. Let me get this fact right. We've got 10% of everything that Jesus talks about within the Gospels related to money and finances. Like, you know, there is a there is a huge amount that's within it. Um, and really, my, uh, my mission today is to, to just to try and bring some of that godly wisdom. What, what is Jesus' perspective on money and finances? You know, what is it that he wants to uh, invite us into? And I've got to admit that when, when I've been thinking and praying and preparing um, for, for this, I really had those verses in Matthew 11 uh, on my heart for us. And that was, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Or in the message version, it puts it like this, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That should be and is God's invitation to us in every sphere of our lives, right? And so therefore, within our financial worlds, it should be the same. His yoke is easy. I'm keen on cycling. Uh, Within cycling, and I'm sure in other sports and so forth as well, there's a formula. There's a formula for how many bikes you should own. (laughs) <laughs> now, if you're a cyclist, and again, I'm sure other sports are the same, you'll, uh, you, you'll know this formula well. So, you know, honey, how many bikes should I own? The formula is N plus one. Where N is the number of bikes that you currently own. <laughs> N plus one. <laughs> 
Now, maybe, I don't know, maybe golf's your thing or, uh, you know, motorbikes is your thing or handbags is your thing. Uh, You know, what I want to talk about this morning is the reality that we live in a consumeristic world. That so much, so much of our world is driven by this idea, this falsity, this lie, that if you just have X, if you just have one more, if you, if you just have possessions in ever-increasing amounts, if you just have that nicer, then life will be happy. Life will be good. N plus one. And I really want to focus this around that this morning. Uh, Because if we're not careful as Christians, and I don't presume that everyone in the room or listening online at the moment is a Christian, but if you proclaim to be a Christian, if we're not careful, if we're not purposeful with living differently, if we're not very, very cognizant of the fact that this is dominating our society, then we'll just get swept along with it. But I think that there is an invitation from Christ to live different. And when it comes to our money and finances and living within this consumeristic sort of world, I think there is a different invitation to us, a different way to live. And just like you, I'm looking for Jesus' wisdom and his invitation to how to do that and how to do that well. It may age me a little bit, but as I was, uh, as I was thinking about this, and probably you, when you, if you recognize it, um, when I was thinking about this message, I was thinking about that old TV ad uh, of the guy walking down the street, uh, and he's got that, that $100 bill that's directing him around the place. Uh, it was made, actually, let's go down uh, memory lane, eh? Let's, uh, let's watch it uh, on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Huh? Oh, dark and horrible in there. Right, let's go buy those CDs you want. Oh, Lord! Let's buy it! What about a cappuccino? We realise it's often a struggle to save, so we've introduced ANZ Serious Saver. Yes! No, no, not in there. Too serious. It pays an excellent rate of interest, plus there's bonus interest if you hmm. save every month. And this unique personalized statement really brings your savings to life. ANZ Serious Saver takes the struggle out of saving. <laughs> I say, that's a nice jacket. You could do with something to go with that, couldn't you? Get a nice little I thought, oh, yes, probably a few years ago. Man, it was 1995, 25 years ago. <laughs> it made 7.5%. <laughs> but it can be quite accurate, eh? You know, walking down the street and these, these, these things, they just jump out at you, these products, and they talk to you uh, about the value of buying them. You know, uh, so many of the, the marketing campaigns and slogans that we see around the place, they, they tap into our emotions. You know, it used to be, if we look at Coke, for example, I think this ad is taken from back in the 50s. Coke, taste that sets it apart. It's about the quality of the product. But now, Coke... Open happiness. I mean, what gives? You know, like, as if you're going to find happiness within the bottle of a Coke, you know? 
Uh, or I, I found this maple leaf bacon uh, ad. It's a, I think it's a Canadian brand. Um, change your life with bacon. You know, it, it, <laughs> some people are like, yeah, of course. <laughs> but, but just this, this notion, this consumeristic idea that is tied into our emotions that you will be happy and complete if you eat bacon. That's ridiculous. Uh, Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. Now, I was, t- I was chatting to Matt and Jacinda uh, during this, and it was really funny because I can remember it from as a child because I, I haven't been there as an adult, but they said, yeah, until about like 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon when all the kids are tired and there's just this echo of crying that's going on. I remember as a kid crying, being terrified of Space Mountain at Disneyland. It was not the happiest place on earth. Red Bull, Red Bull, it gives you wings. Whoa, um, okay, there's quite a few chemicals in there, but hopefully... Not one that gives me wings. I actually don't want wings. That wouldn't be so good. Uh, or Gillette. The best a man can get. Man, what a low bar. <laughs> if the best a man can get is by having a close shave, what the blazes? I want a lot more to life than a close shave. Thank you very much. That is rubbish. Uh, and then Jack pointed, we had quite a few contributions of this, by the way, just on the social media community page. Jack pointed out this one, M&Ms, melt in your mouth and not in your hands. Have you ever held a, a handful of M&Ms on a warm summer's day? They do not just melt in your mouth. <laughs> but here is the world that we live in. These are the slogans that drive so much of our habits, of our spending, of our emotions. Jesus has got to have a different and a better way. Um, Wikipedia, not always the best source of understanding, but Wikipedia says uh, consumerism is a social and economic order that encourages the acquisition of goods and services in ever-increasing amounts. This whole aim of consumerism is to to get us to want or need more. Now, let's be real, okay? There's a lot of people in the room right now who are directly influenced by this. Your jobs, your roles, your, your lives are directly influenced by the consumer habits of people. And, and this is not a guilt trip, all right? This is not, this is, our mission today is not, you know, live on wheat picks and potatoes. <laughs> Anyone's student life? Uh, you know, it's, it's not that all spending is bad and you shouldn't do it. That it's just not reality to be able to live magically without being a consumer of some products or services. It's just, it's not a reality. But it's in our attitudes and in our habits and the way that it uh, directs and guides the way that we live. That's what we're talking about. And often it's in our subconscious as well as our conscious, eh? That new pair of shoes 
that new car, that new golf club, that new item of clothing, that new house, you know, the list just goes on and on. And I'm 100% sure if I pass the microphone around this morning, you know, everybody here is going to say, I know, I, I, I'm, I, even if you're not a Christian here this morning, you know that it's not the best way to live, to live just purely as a consumeristic person, right? We know in our heads but again, it's the, it's the habits, it's the subconscious. If, as Christians, we're not conscious of living a different way, then we just get swept up and go along with it. Hopefully we're still friends by the end of this morning. <laughs> as, uh, as Matt mentioned last week, Luke 12, verse 15. Then he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Isn't it crazy, in a good way, that the same drive was what Jesus spoke into 2,000 years ago? Sure, it looks a little bit different now. But that same inner drive, he knew of it. That's why, that's why he talks about it so much. And that he had an antidote for it. Jean Baldrillard, he's a French sociologist, and I'm sorry, I just butchered his name, uh, but says that materialism has become the new dominant system of meaning within Western society. He argues that atheism hasn't replaced Christianity. Shopping has. Investopedia, which is a website that's dedicated to simplifying down complex economic situations and terms, says psychological research has shown that people who organize their lives around consumerist goals, such as product acquisition, report poorer moods, greater unhappiness in relationships, and other psychological problems like anxiety and depression. What Jesus taught us 2,000 years ago rings true today in our modern world. Life does not, it's not held up by the possessions that we own or have. Now, this, this lie of consumerism, it, it obviously does have a half-truth to it, right? The reality is that money will make a difference if you are impoverished. And, and around our globe, you know, we have millions and millions of people who are in this, in this situation. And the reality is that money does make a difference. But the interesting thing is that they've done research to show that that difference only goes to about what we would regard as sort of a middle-class sort of existence. And anything over and above that does nothing to improve your well-being in life. Nothing. They've done, uh, where, they've, um, where they've researched hundreds of thousands of people and they've shown that correlation. Again, just reinforcing what Jesus taught us 2,000 years ago. And today is all about cures for consumerism. Cures 
for consumerism. Like we're saying, over 2,000 uh, verses in the Bible that relate somehow to money. Sorry, I got the statistic wrong back at the beginning. Nearly 25%, a quarter of Jesus' words in the New Testament deal with money. So it's important for us to realize as we kind of, uh, as we kind of climb into this that, that money within Scripture is amoral. You know, it's not, it's not good or bad. It's just kind of what we, what we do with it. That's the important part. And one of the key passages that I want us to... Oh, you all right? Still with me? Still friends? Good. It's important to me. <laughs> Matthew 6. Uh, if you've got your Bibles I'd, uh, or on your phones and so forth, another consumer item. Uh, no guilt, no guilt. Um, uh, you can jump in here uh, with me. I just want to pull out some of these verses. In verse 19... Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then down in verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know, he goes on from there and he links our worries in life to our finances and just says, makes the point, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will look after Itself, Or in the message version, in verse 21, it says, it's obvious, isn't it? The place your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's true, isn't it? <laughs> you buy something expensive, buy something nice, and it's just a little bit of sort of focus and heart that, you know, don't look at me all spiritual like that. No. I know when I buy toys for my bike, and it just, no matter how hard I try, draws me a little bit. Where is it that we are putting our treasure? Where is it that we're investing into? Is it just into possessions or is there something greater that we want to live for? And it's one of the reasons why giving is so worthwhile to do within our lives. You know, when we start giving, I, I started giving regularly to the church when I was in my late teens and there's been a habit that I have done all the way through and it has drawn my heart to her. Where, where you put your investment of finances, it, it draws something of your heart. You become interested uh, in that thing. So giving towards the, the local church or giving to good causes or giving to uh, other people, the, the situations, to good things. It draws us. And talking about these Treasures in heaven. Uh, Craig Blomberg, who's a New Testament scholar, he says this, in this context, storing up treasures focuses particularly on the compassionate use of material resources to meet others' physical and spiritual needs in keeping with the priorities of God's kingdom. 
It, this, is, this is what these verses are talking about. It's a recognition that the most important things in life aren't things at all. <laughs> it's relationships. It's people. It's those in need that we come across within our world. John Stott, uh, who's a, another significant theologian, he says it's also important to to point out what Jesus is not forbidding within these verses and generally within Scripture. So Jesus isn't condemning the owning of material possessions. He's not saying that you can't. He's not saying don't be wise with saving diligently. You know, it's good to be wise in that way. He's not saying that you aren't allowed to enjoy the things that God has given you to be able for all of us to enjoy. Um, 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19, for example. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, before you Count yourself out of being one of those rich people. <laughs> if you earn more than thirty-eight New Zealand dollars, thirty-eight thousand New Zealand dollars a year, you're in the top ten percent of the world's wealth. Wealthy. If you earn more than fifty-one thousand a year, you're in the top one percent of the world's wealthy. Just let that sink in. Command those who are rich in this world. Verse 18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Not to buy into the lie that our consumeristic world would try and give us, but to step into Truly, what is life? Been reading this great book, uh, John Mark Comer, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Um, if you haven't read it, I thoroughly recommend it. Very challenging, but very, very good. He says this To follow Jesus, especially within the Western world, is to live in the same tension between grateful, uh, the same tension that is of Jesus. Uh, between grateful, happy enjoyment of nice, beautiful things and simplicity, and when in doubt, to err on the side of generous living. All right, so let's get practical, all right? <laughs> Just as we sort of, okay, we get the concept, right? Stop living a consumerist life. How do we do it, all right? Uh, Matt last week had uh, four um, ways of living a contented life. This morning, we've got four ways to cure consumerism. All right? Four top tips for curing consumerism. You ready? Number one, it's really deep. Think about it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Think about it. You know? <laughs> I know it's... As we go about our daily lives, our spending habits, when you come to buy a product, stop and think about it. <laughs> it's 
Sometimes that's just enough, eh? <laughs> Asking yourself those simple questions. Uh, do I actually need this? Uh, can I afford this? Uh, will it benefit me or others in any way? Just stopping and thinking, if you are prone to the impulse buy, please, eyes forward, no one looking to the sides, no elbows. If you are prone to the impulse buy, I want to tell you, just build yourself some space and time just to stop and think about it. Proverbs 21, verse 5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. Think about it. Number two, ask, this is something that John Mark Comer um, really talks about and I really like. Ask what the real cost is. So the real cost, what he's getting at, is both the cost to you and to others. So the cost to you for for a moment, that's obviously the the real cost that it is, um, you know, for the item. But it's also the ongoing cost. So if it's a new expensive motorbike toy <laughs> or boat, you know, there are, there are ongoing financial costs to maintaining that and keeping it going. So it's the, it's the ongoing uh, cost as well. But it's also the cost to you in your time. So what he's encouraging is he's saying, just think about the cost that that will mean in your time to the people around you. So, look, let's just point it on me for a moment. If I get a new bike, my, my wife's not in the room at the moment, but if I get a new bike, it's thinking about the cost that that will be to my family's time if I use that new product. How much time will it actually take away from time with them rather than actually build anything that's good. Now look, his yoke is easy, his burden is light, this is not a guilt trip. Sometimes there are genuine reasons for those types of purchases to actually be helpful, but it's being honest with yourself, honest with people around you, to really stop and think what the real cost of this actually is. So that's the cost to you. And then there's the cost to others. How was it produced? Is there anyone that is being put under oppression because of the production of this item, this, this good, this service, this thing? It's a sobering thought, isn't it, to stop and think, what of the clothes that I wear or the things that I own have caused oppression to someone around the world. As Christians, we are called to live different. And I know that's a hard question. It's a hard question for me. I'm not just asking you. <laughs> 
Tear Fund actually puts together a, an, an ethical fashion guide uh, where, they, where they look at different New Zealand businesses and so forth, uh, and they look at the ethics of, of how the different items are produced. And look, it's, it might be just a, a, a little step, you know, it's not going the whole nine yards, but it's just changing just a little something of our, of our pattern of spending or the way, the way that we consume different items that could actually just add up to a lot. Ask yourself the question, what is the real cost? Okay, thirdly, I want to keep moving. Avoid bad debt, all right? Avoid bad debt. Now, this is a biggie, uh, especially if you're a young adult uh, or you're kind of new in your, in your married lives, setting up your family and so forth. Uh, I would strongly encourage you, and I'm sure that I echo <laughs> the thoughts of many people around the room right now, to avoid bad debt like the plague. <laughs> Now, good debt is, you know, is typically regarded as debt that you uh, get a greater um, return on than the money that you spend in the first place. So our classic example, typically, not always, but typically is obviously around our mortgages, you know, where we would invest a certain amount of money and the return on that would be greater. Okay, so bad debt is the opposite. Bad debt is anything, you know, credit card spending, um, where, uh, uh, high purchase arrangements. You know, you, you have that, that typical sort of ad that comes on wherever you, wherever you see it. You know, pay, um, buy now, pay nothing for 12 months or interest-free for 12 months or whatever. It, it's just a crock, you know? Like, it's, it's built into the costing of it somehow. You know, I, I would encourage you. I'm really, really glad that somebody drilled this into me as a, as a young guy, and then throughout our married lives, it's just something that we've lived by, that we, that we haven't bought things unless we could actually afford them. You know, it's just, it's just living within your mind. Yes, it's meant we've missed out on stuff. It's meant that we, we haven't bought things when, uh, when we've seen friends uh, buying, and then we've felt that sort of urge, oh, it would be nice. We just, and again, no guilt trip. The reality is that one person's bad debt can be, in a business situation or whatever, can be another person's good debt. So it's just taking an honest look at your own situation and where you are at. It's a good principle to live by. Christ's invitation to us is to live light. We might have missed out on a few things, but it's given us the ability to live light and free. Okay. A couple of scriptures. Then last one, Romans 13, verse 8, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Or Psalm 37, 21, the wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Live within your means, spend what you can afford. All right, so we've got these, these three cures, and uh, here's the fourth one. So the, the, we've got think about it, ask what the real cost is, avoid bad debt, and finally, and to be honest, this is probably the biggest trick, the biggest tip to living and curing consumerism within our lives is to live and give generously. Live and give generously. Build the habit of giving within your life. 
Uh, give to the poor, give to the needy, give to the church, uh, give to good causes, give to the needs that are around you. Uh, do it when it feels right. Do it when it feels easy. Build the habit of it, but also do it as a discipline. Uh, do it when you want to buy that product, but you know that the right thing to do is to be able to give generously into this particular cause. Uh, Acts 20 verse 35, and everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Remind your soul, remind your heart of the benefit that it is and that your life does not, uh, is not made up of the possessions that you own. Life is bigger and more expansive and more interesting than that. You know, honestly, I, I, I genuinely am 100% aware that through other people's generosity, I am where I am today. Either directly or indirectly, through their generous lives, they have showed me something of the provision of God. And my hope, my prayer is that in some small way, I would be able to do that for others. I'm no financial guru. <laughs> in fact, there's a bunch of people in the church who've got some great wisdom when it comes to finances. Uh, but just for little old me, I see that as Jesus' invitation. And I guess this morning, that's really what I sense that the invitation is for all of us, to step into that life that's different. It's not driven by the consumeristic trends around us, but it's driven by a God of mercy and love, of all provision, who leads us into this life that is truly life in every area of our worlds. Well, thanks again for tuning in to today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you're keen to find out more about us as a church whānau, you're welcome to go to coast.org.nz or of course we'd love to meet you in person. We meet at 10am at Orewa College on the beautiful Hibiscus Coast and you're more than welcome. Be blessed and have a great day.